You're listening to This Is Personal, Rewinding a Life with Dan Simon. I have no support. I've been a single mom and, and been without any family uh, my whole entire life. Um, since I moved out when I was 17, it's been really interesting. I just wanted to take that chance. Like, I think when you're going through life, raising kids, you're like, oh, you know, I'd do it if I didn't have kids or I'll take a chance, you know. And now that time's here, like the kids are all grown. What do you do now? And it felt scummy to have all that attention mm. on me. And so it really bothered me. It hurt me. And I have such math anxiety. It's really kind of odd. So it's really kind of weird that I work in a math industry, <laughs> like the education industry uh, around mathematics. But that's where my passion is. So when I make mistakes, it really takes years to recover, it takes time to get, you know, to fix it and correct it and get back on my feet again because I don't have that support system. So I don't know. I, I do it with such anxiety. Like my stomach always hurts. I go to work freaking out. You know, like there's always like, it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come fluidly. You know, it's, it's, it's a constant struggle. And I just kind of wonder when I look at other people and they look so confident and they look so capable. And I'm just like wondering, you know, why can't I look like that? <laughs> You know, like, why can't that work for me? Welcome to This is Personal, Rewinding a Life, a podcast about people's personal journeys of discovery and recreation. I'm Dan Simon. We dig deep to understand the essence of each guest. How did they get to this point in their life? We all have stories to tell about our own lives that help the rest of us realize who we are and what we could become. As a life coach, I've always been intrigued by the stories people tell. What were the trials, tragedies, and triumphs they encountered while navigating through life? There are no mistakes in life, only experiences and lots of contrast. If we can have compassion for others, can't we have the same for ourselves? That's always been my personal mission, to remind people the truth of who they are, to remind them that they've done their very best. In each episode, that's what you'll find, a beautiful soul doing their best to create a life that's fulfilling and rewarding. On today's show, we talk to Stacy, and the conversation is very interesting because Stacy has been very successful in her life, raising two children and having a very successful career and making a big jump recently from one major city on the East Coast to another city, moving to New York, and... Uh, when you learn about all the things that uh, were traumatic for her growing up, all the things that uh, uh, seem to have given her a lot of social anxiety and 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 challenge and difficulty to uh, to make things probably harder than they need to be, but uh, to watch how Stacy has persevered, how she's kept moving forward, she's kept answering the calls to challenges and uh, and done very well in her life. Just a very inspiring story. So enjoy hearing Stacy's story. Stacy, welcome on board. Hi, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Um, starting off, why don't you just tell us kind of where you are in life? Well, I'm hitting my 50th birthday this year um, in April and um, took a lot of chances recently in just trying to understand who I am and challenge myself and step outside of my comfort zone. And so I moved to New York City. I left a very cushioned, uh, secure, routine, predictable job and um, took a chance with a company and uh, I'm working as a mathematics consultant. And I love it. I love the challenge of it. I love how alive I feel. Um, the scary is paralyzing, but um, this is where I'm at right now. So let me ask you, Stacy, what prompted you to make such a big change from something that was comfortable and safe and secure to something completely different? That's a really great question. I think I kind of felt that I had to do it for me. I found that I've done so much. I've raised two children alone. Um, they're very successful. They've done great things. You know, they, they work hard in school and, and what have you, but I just never did for me. And so I just wanted to take that chance. Like, I think when you're going through life, raising kids, 
you're like, oh, you know, I'd do it if I didn't have kids or I'll take a chance, you know, and now that time's here, like the kids are all grown. What do you do now? You know, and so I, I really had to be true to myself. And I mean, I had an opportunity where, you know, they paid for the move and, you know, I had an opportunity. I, I knew where I was going to live and I just, everything fell in the place. I couldn't say no. It's like the universe just made it happen. So I had to jump on board, even though I was terrified. I was paralyzed with fear, but I had to jump on board. Like a, an apartment opened up and the neighbor is a neighbor that I used to live with when I grew up in South Florida. And I don't even want to tell you why I already told you how old I am a billion years ago. And so she's my neighbor now here in New York city. And then this job opened up. It's just insane. I had to do it. So I, I guess the universe was forcing me to grow. Well, it's interesting because, uh, things show up and most people when opportunities show up, it's the first uh, uh, choice for most people is to not entertain a new opportunity that requires some risk and to do different things. So how did you get the courage to make those choices to change things? Uh, did you have some support, some inspiration, or was it all you? I have no support. I've been a single mom and, and been without any family. Uh, my whole entire life, um, since I moved out when I was 17, it's been really interesting. Um, it was terrifying. I was paralyzed with fear. Absolutely. I mean, I thought I was going to have a mental breakdown, and it was so silly because, I mean, I'm not dying. I'm not dropping off the, the face of the earth. You know, I'm just making a really big change um, and had to own it, you know. And, and I think that was the biggest fear I had of all, Dan, is just knowing that, like, some people have family and they have support systems in place. So, like, if they fail there's people to rush in and dust your feet, you know, your knees off and say, get back on that horse. And, you know, we got you, we got your back. I don't, never had that my whole life. So when I make mistakes, it really takes years to recover. It takes time to get, you know, to fix it and correct it and get back on my feet again. Cause I don't have that support system. So it was a really big leap of faith, but I just trusted the universe. Um, and it took a long time. I mean, I cried almost every night. I was petrified. Um, I still am scared. I'm still unsure, but I'm I'm doing the best I can every day and I'm enjoying the adventures and I'm I'm take I learned something. I learned to not be overwhelmed. I'm a thinker and I'm a whole holistic kind of problem solver. So I learned to stop looking at the big picture and just enjoying the moments. Like I'm okay right now. And so that was really helpful for me. Have you just ever, being in the moment? Have you ever heard or read the book The Untethered Soul? No. By Michael Singer? No, I need to now. <laughs> so the premise for the, for the book is uh, instead of using your mind to analyze everything, and, and your mind is always constantly giving you instructions, I should do that, I shouldn't do this, this will keep me safe. And most people uh, really look at the mind as the boss. If it says I should do something, I'm going to follow that. So instead, what Michael Singer says in the book is that you can actually just ignore the mind, don't listen to everything it says to do, and just pay attention to what shows up in the universe and deal with what shows up um, in whatever way is appropriate. Just deal with that. And it's a completely way of a different way of doing things because most people are something shows up that's not in your, on your normal line of vision or something you wouldn't normally consider. And you just ignore it. But uh, what he says is that if you're willing to trust uh, what, you, what you said, have faith, um, and it's, things are going to work out, then you just move forward with it. And in the book, he talks about all these things that happened in his life when he did these things that he really, really, from an ego standpoint, didn't even want to do, was afraid to do, but he took all these steps and did them anyway. So it sounds like even though you haven't read the book, that's really what you uh, what you implemented in your life. Yeah. Have you done that that kind of thing even on a smaller scale before, where you just trusted your intuition and went forward? Yeah. I guess so. My whole life has been like that. I, I just um yeah. I guess that really has been. I guess I'm not a very st <laughs> for someone who's supposed to be structured and, and have their head on straight. I, I kind of am in that way where I kind of just do. You know, like I I I've always moved. I've always uprooted myself in, in pursuit of finding something better, um, better opportunity, you know, um, just trying to grow up the ladder in life here. Um, had my kids and didn't really think I had a 
friend tell me once that the reason why we, we tread like that and don't worry about things is because we didn't have any perceived fear. And that was the reason why. Because like if I look back in retrospect, I probably shouldn't have done a lot of things that I put myself into because like I got lucky, you know, or, or like the universe really did look out for me because I probably wasn't smart enough to figure out what was going on at the moment. So I, I always find myself in those positions where like, I didn't have a lot of fear. I just did. I just did. And like nowadays, you know, like I worry about things and like we were talking about that. Like if you worry about something enough, it happens. You cause it to happen. Like you make it, you manifest it. So like we were talking about like how we weren't afraid of stuff when we were younger, like, you know, how you're not afraid of things. And and that's why it never manifested because the fear was never there. So I I always used to, I I still do. I tell people, I just, I don't have enough sense to be afraid. (laughs) Because I really don't have enough sense to know what I got myself into, like to be afraid. But this this move was a real big one, though, because, I mean, I, I had a lot of reality checks. There was a lot of things to be afraid of. It's New York City, for goodness sakes. You know, I mean, if I don't, what happens if I don't, you know, anything can happen. I, my, I have social anxiety, a lot of scary things, you know, to get out here and make that happen. And it was really yeah. kind of odd. I'll be honest with you. Usually when I moved, it was moving to you find better areas for my children to attend school or different opportunities, you know, like always looking for the better school and what have you. So it, it didn't dawn on me. Like I was taking a risk when I was like, oh no, I'm moving. I'm moving to X, Y, and Z, you know, moving to McLean. They have the best schools. That's where I'm moving. That's where I'm going. And so, you know, like this move, I think it's, it's kind of weird, but I think I had a lot more confidence in doing it for my kids. Like I knew I had to make it work. Like there was no chance of even second guessing it, but when I had to do it for myself and like, I had no reason that, What's that? It's always more difficult to make a decision for yourself than for somebody else. Yes, it really was. And I'm I'm reflecting on that. Like this one really took it out of me. I was like, you know, really beating myself up. It just would be easier. Like, oh, no, this is where I need to be. This is where the kids are going to be. This is the plan. This is the plan. This is the plan. But I didn't really have a plan. I was like, okay, let's just see where it goes. I didn't honestly think when I was looking for the job, I already had a job. I wasn't even thinking I would even get offered. And they did. And I was tickled. It's just, you know, just a matter of being, um, the ego being strict, like, oh my God, they were serious or, oh my God, they flew me up for this interview or, oh my God, they're paying for the move. Oh my God, I found a place like, like all in disbelief. So I just kind of sat back and saw where the universe was going to take it. Cause normally I don't know, I've been really lucky. I'm alive and I'm healthy, but I don't usually like, I'm not stumbling on millions. I don't wake up and find lottery tickets on the floor and, you know, like, so I'm not always like this person that's sitting here. I, I really do appreciate the smaller things. It doesn't have to be anything that big for me to be like, it's a miracle or something worked out, you know? So let me ask you, <laughs> Stacy, the, uh, the fact that you did all this and I understand that you still have some fear and still a little nervous and you're still adjusting, but what's your opinion of uh, how you made all this happen? What's your opinion of yourself with uh, these choices you made? Well, that, it's twofold. There's a side of me that wonders if I completely screwed it all up. Like, am I supposed to have retired after, you know, 50 years at this one job and been, you know, have it cushioned and, you know, am I, then I wonder, you know, I have to be a maverick. I have to live my life. So I'm kind of, I'm still sitting on the fence. I overthink things. I'm still sitting on the fence. Like, I guess I won't know until I'm dead. And I'm like looking back, like, well, was that a good move? You know, like, yeah, I really don't know, you know? <laughs> well, I got I to stop you and maybe put my coaching hat on for a second. Okay. The, the, there's really not much reason to confuse the universe, is there? Because you were successful in what you, what, what you did. You took these leaps of faith and you moved forward. And really, my question was just designed to allow you to take credit for it. And that's... Okay nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. It doesn't, nobody knows whether you're going to, the ocean's going to rise and New York City is going to disappear. I don't know. Uh, so the, you know, the future is unknowable. But uh, I feel pretty good about, from just the story you told me about, uh, what great decisions you made, not using your logical mind and doing what felt right and, and taking risks. And... Uh, so the, the the only opportunity was for you to just to reward yourself for that and not say, well, maybe, because it doesn't, it, and I can tell you just from my own personal experience, I spent much of my life being very analytical and, and taking lots of time to make the best possible decision about a zillion different things. And most of the time when I analyzed everything and, uh, all the pros and cons to make the best possible decision about the best investment, the best company, 
usually turned out like uh, not that good. And, <laughs> and when I just kind of showed up with the right energy and things happened and, and a lot of the unbelievable things that happened in my life, uh, I didn't plan it. It wasn't, it wasn't a part of this long-term plan. It was, I showed up and, you know, I, I paid attention to opportunities when they showed up, but it wasn't all this analytical process and this expectation that I know what the best decision is going to be. So do you want to just take that one, that number two part, Stacy, <laughs> about how you're, how you're proud of yourself? Yeah, there you go. I, I don't do that often enough, Dan, so I will. I am proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for stepping out of my comfort zone and making myself, um, putting myself in a situation that was really uncomfortable and, and growing because I'm definitely not the same person I was a year ago. And I think, honestly, I probably would have died um, emotionally or intellectually in a position where I wasn't growing. So I'm, I, I feel very uncomfortable about it, but I'm going to give myself credit for doing that for myself. So I, I am living my life and I'm, I'm living my truth. And, and that does require, you know, a, a chance to stop and, and say, hey, good job. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for, uh, for recognizing it. And if you, don't do, if you don't reward yourself often enough with uh, your compliments and what you're doing, I would recommend you do it more. Yeah, I think that's a good, good thing to start doing. Do me a favor and uh, let's take a look a little bit of a broader view of, of your life, Stacy, and, and describe your life for me up until now in six sentences. Ooh, um, my life up until now in six sentences. Wow. <sighs> um. I'm thinking like words <laughs> because it's pretty unpredictable. It's been, um, I, I've just been responding to very weird situations that are completely out of my control. I'm just kind of just trying to make the best decision based on what's been thrown my way. Okay. You're not allowed to, use, you're not allowed to use run on sentences. We'll give you, ah. sentence, we'll give you sentence <laughs> one pre, pretty unpredictable. Okay. In other words, you're just you're just gonna try and in a summarize your life in in just six sentences, six short sentences. Okay. So one pretty unpredictable life. So is that what you would say first? Yeah, I would definitely okay. say that. I would okay. say it's a very fulfilling, enriching life. Um. And I am very grateful for all the no's that I've ever gotten because it forced me to be the person I am today because my life was not easy. <laughs> so I was looking for easy and the universe would never give me easy. So I appreciate that. When did you, when did you become grateful for all the no's? Recently. I hated I hated them. I'm still waiting for that karma to balance out. So I think, it, I think it's recently when I can sit back and when I interact with other people who don't have the same tool set, you know, the skill set that I have, um, you know, my perseverance, my resourcefulness, I look back and I'm like, you know, you did a hell of a job, kid. And that's not too shabby, you know? And it, I would have never been this person because I didn't come out, I didn't start out this way. I started out pretty, well, I'm pretty naive and immature and, you know, I still am who I am, but I am a lot stronger and resilient because of all the no's I've gotten that nobody made my life easy. And I used to hate that. And now I'm kind of appreciative for it because I, I have a lot of insight. Okay, cool. All right, sentence number four. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, let me think. Sentence number four. Up until now. Yeah. I don't know. It's just been, it's been chaotic. It's been, uh, it's just, it's almost, um, Hmm. I'm going to actually say it's just been unfulfilling and it's almost like um, the yin and the yang here because there's a balance. Like it's unfulfilling in the fact that I've worked so hard chasing what I thought was the correct way to live that I don't really, I haven't really done for me. Like when I wake up in the morning, I am not, I love my job. I do, but I'm not like racing up and saying, this is what I'm doing for me today. Like I haven't had that opportunity in my existence yet to wake up and do for me or what I want to do, or if I want to go back to bed, or if I want to wake up and do something for me, like with no demands. 
So I think that would be really kind of interesting. Like, I, I just find that I've been um, living for something else, like someone else this, up until now. That's a thing. That's a fair statement to say. Take a while to get there, but that's a fair statement to say. <laughs> Haven't done enough. You can tell you, I can't so. articulate things well. <laughs> no, you're doing great. Haven't done enough for you living for others. And I got to, yeah. uh, and I just got to tell you that I just, even in probably four or five of the podcasts I've done in the last, in the last couple of weeks, I've run across the story that's really the same as yours where where a woman that's in her 50s and it's almost always in the early early 50s uh spent her life being successful working very hard raising a family and then just all of a sudden decides uh or something happens some kind of inspiration or some opportunity comes up and they all of a sudden have this realization that just like you said I really, I haven't taken care of me. I put myself last and I put everybody else first. And now might be a good time to uh, put myself first and do things uh, first. And I'll tell you, it's uh, hats off to you because it can be very uncomfortable if you've lived your entire adult life, you know, not putting yourself first to be able to, uh, to step into that power can be uncomfortable to do it. But uh, that's a good number four, doing stuff now beginning to figure out how to live uh, live for yourself yeah you know yeah and even not, and and just not just for other people as much even just like doing it for work like you know like i mean i know we all have to work but it's just like i've given so you, you sit back and you think about it and how much time and effort you've just given away you know and it's like okay you know so that's how i kind of feel right now so that's that's for number four <laughs> We're going to come back to number four later. Let's try number five now. I don't really have a five or a six. I don't know what else to say about myself up until now. Okay. It's been pretty boring, I guess. (laughs) No, that's fine. If five and six come up later, you you let me know. Let's do do, uh, alternate choice and see what comes up here, uh, Stacey. Sugar or spice? Sugar. Naughty or nice? Nice. Gelato or sorbet? Probably a sorbet because I'm vegan. I don't, the gelato is made out of cream, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, sorbet. so sorbet. Okay. Driving or flying? Flying. Driver or passenger? Driver. Night owl or early bird? <laughs> Terrible. I. It so depends on the scenario. I, it's so weird. Night owl or early bird? I guess early bird, but oh, it's tough. I know it's supposed to be either or. I don't have a preference because sometimes I get really tired. It, it's project based. So I, I can't answer that one. Can I skip that one? Okay, yeah. Is dogs, that okay? <laughs> yeah, skip it. No, nothing's mandatory. Uh, dogs or cats? Cats. Lions or tigers? Tigers. Creative or analytical? Analytical. Exercise or sleep? <laughs> That's another one. Like I love the exercise and I love the sleep, but I can't get enough sleep. So the only thing I can control is the exercise. So I'm going to default with exercise. Okay. Sleep or work? Oh, golly. Um, I'm going to go with work. You'd rather work than sleep? Okay. <laughs> I can't get the sleep, though. So, I mean, to me, it's frustrating. If I could sleep like I used to sleep in my teens, I would sleep all day. But I, I'm so tired, I can't get the rest I need. So it's frustrating to me. It's weird, right? You're so tired because you you have to get up too early or you can't get to bed early enough? Why is it you're... I think it is weird. I shouldn't be this tired. It's It's either there's a lot of things on my mind that keep me up. Like I go to bed exhausted, but I'm up at 3 a.m. every, every morning. Like, and then there's the whole anxiety thing. And it's just like, well, I might as well do some work because what else am I going to do at 3 a.m.? You know, like I can't get the thoughts out of my head. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's to me, it's easier to go to work just to get the crap out of my head because I can't get the sleep that I desperately want. Uh, I tell you what, 
that's I've had lots of struggles with sleep my whole my whole life, and I've done a lot of research re recently. And uh, there is a lot of new science with regard to uh, to sleep that's worth investigating. If you know Dave Asprey from Bulletproof Coffee, he's got no. I need these books. Okay, he's well. He's got a podcast. Uh, free plug here. Okay, Dave, a Bulletproof Radio. Uh, and uh, he's got um, a whole series of sleep hacks. In fact, there's you'd have to just scroll back through the podcast, and I'll, in fact, I'll I'll be happy to post it in the show notes for everybody and, and send it to you, Stacy, as well. But really, really interesting stuff uh, in terms of how to hack your sleep and how to track your sleep, and um, uh, and especially in terms of. A lot of people wake up and can't get back to bed um, at three in the morning, and it's it's uh, one cause is excess adrenaline. And oh. Some cures for that you get your uh, your blood sugar drops, your adrenaline peaks um, like at two thirty in the morning, and then when that begins to drop, um, uh, your blood sugar begins to drop. Uh, then it has to pump more adrenaline to get your get fuel to your brain, and then you get up and you're all wired and you can't get back to sleep. So there's some there's a few different hacks for that. One is to take a teaspoon of honey before you go to bed, or to get some <coughs> get some collagen mm. protein and maybe some uh, MCT oil with it. Um, but I, I'm just I'm just stopping on that. That's not the purpose of our. Uh, of our podcast, but it's really important. And when somebody says it's a problem, um, it's worth putting effort into figuring out how to solve it because it has all these long-term health consequences if you're not getting good rest. Uh, so, Absolutely. So thank you for pointing that out, and uh, I'll send you some of the some of the stuff that I've got in terms of some some resources. Um, cool. Thanks. You're welcome. Most difficult emotion. Hmm. Fear. And your biggest fear. Biggest fear. <laughs> it's death. <laughs> that is my biggest fear. Well, I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> no, there's no future in it, huh? <laughs> You're gonna die like all of us. When I know it's so when, creepy. <laughs> uh, so, how do you deal with it? Um, I avoid it. I avoid it. I believe in reincarnation because I try to make it out logically. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I find it. I find it unnerving that I'm on a planet that is like spinning through space and like asteroids could hit me and it doesn't even matter like and then there's all this stupid stress and it doesn't even matter <laughs> like it doesn't make it so surreal it doesn't make any sense to me like there's all these mechanisms built into this place and none of it matters but i need to be a part of it because i'm just waiting to die like that's all we're doing we're either going to fill our time with work or fill our time with play but we're still filling our time so it's a little bizarre. I don't know how to, I don't know how to digest all of it. I'm, I'm been worried about it my whole entire existence, and I'm almost halfway through it. I still don't know how to deal with it. I don't understand it. Well, what's interest, what's interesting is that uh, your fear of death doesn't, it doesn't seem to have stopped you from making choices. Lots of people that have this fear that's uh, that's because it can be. Uh, amidst everything, the fear of death can be translated to making any kind of decision in your life. Everything you're afraid of to make any choices because it always really comes down to uh, if I make the wrong choice, I'm going to get killed or I'm going to die. So it has it doesn't seem to have stopped you from living your life and moving things forward. So I find that interesting. Um, That's true. That's a true point. So you might want to take a look if, at that. And uh, If anything, it motivates me because I'm like, oh, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm not going to die. I mean, if it's like jumping out of a plane and parachuting, anything weird, I'm not going to do anything that is, could like change the odds. 
of when that's going to happen or increase the odds. But like, I always feel like I have to go do because if I don't, I'm going to be dead one day. So of course I'm going to move to New York. Someone's paying for it and I have an opportunity to grow and learn. Yeah, I need to, you know, I mean, I'm going to die in the end. I have to, you know, (laughs) like, well, and I think that's a very healthy way to look at it. In fact, it talks about it in the untethered soul as well as, um, unless I'm confusing with another book, but the idea that uh, death is a very important uh, procrastination stopper. In other words, if you, that's the ultimate deadline, right? So if you, yeah. if you knew that you're leaving on vacation tomorrow, you would be very, you're always very productive at work. So if you actually live like you can't count on uh, living forever, that, that that there's going to be an end to it. That you you do put in the effort to say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna live as much as I can, because you know people that are paralyzed by fear of death are already dead because yeah. they're not actually living a life. But that's that's, that's that's not at all like it sounds like you know, how you're conducting your life that you're not doing things. So it seems like it's a healthy it's a healthy. Uh, way to look at it. And the other thing I th- uh, I'll throw out is this idea of uh, vulnerability. And there's two, two kinds, un- unconscious vulnerability and conscious vulnerability. And, and unconscious is that you have this generalized fear of everything, which converts back to fear of death, but your fear of you're going to get a bad phone call, somebody's going to die, somebody else's Something else is not going to work out. You're not going to get the job. You can go through your ent- entire life with this this uh, this vulnerability that you're going to get some bad news or something's not going to work, and then you're kind of paralyzed. Versus conscious, where you just have decided to uh, say, "I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable to certain things. I'm going to allow myself to say that eh, I can't count on this or I can't control that." And that's from uh, a book I just listened to a podcast yesterday from uh, Joan Rosenberg. Uh, I think it's ninety seconds, uh, ninety seconds to a life you love, and uh, she talks about that in the book. Um, would you be more fearful of falling from a great height or being trapped in a tunnel underground? Oh, both of those are very big fears for me. I don't think I could do either of them. I'm claustrophobic and I have a very big fear of heights. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're both terrifying. Like I'm thinking, like visualizing it. And I'm like, I don't think I can handle any of it. Like I actually, I live on the sixth floor and I can't even like look out my window. Like I can look with it as long as there's a screen and I'm holding onto the frame. I'm funny like that. Yeah. I can't do either of them. <laughs> All right. You're allowed to choose both. Uh, <laughs> tall, tall or short? Tall. Brains or beauty? Brains. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Biggest trigger? Mm. Injustice. And how does that trigger you? What happens when you see injustice? Oh, I get angry, like to the point where I might get arrested. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't like do anything crazy, but like I get, I get very angry, like, oh my goodness, and it consumes me. And if it's ever anything that I can contribute or try to um, mentor or help, it will consume me until I get justice for what I need to get justice for. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I have obsessed with justice and balance. So tell me, where does that come from? I have no idea. I think everybody's screwing me over <laughs> getting away with it. <laughs> Cause I believe in karma and I'm a really good person. Not because I'm looking out for number one, just, just because I need balance. I need things to be cool. Because I can't function. I honestly can't function in chaos. And it's funny because I work in primarily middle school, so it's just all organized chaos. But I know the controlled limits. So I need things to be balanced and fair. So when I like, I'm my whole thing for my whole living and my whole fight has been equity and access in mathematics. So making mathematics accessible and equitable for everyone, not just the kids that get it. And so when I go into situations that there's no justice, I go berserk. <laughs> and I cry and I, I hoot and I holler and so I can move the work. It's, it's, a, it's a weird trigger. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it. Uh, well, you just said because you were taken advantage of. They will get to that. Probably. Is that fair? Is that fair to say? Well, you said it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm going to stand behind it. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea. 
Um, and how do you how do you move past that? What happens with that anger? Because you obviously can't solve all the injustice by snapping no, your you finger. Can't. So does yeah. it does it have a an effect on you longer term, or you're able to let go of it after a period of time? I find that I have to avoid it um, only because it eats away at me. Like I'll lose sleep, and it's not healthy, and it's silly. It gets really crazy. It gets um obsessive. So I do um I do have to avoid it and try because if I if I talk about it, I just I can't. You know, like there's so many things. I get so angry, so I just kind of fold it up and you know put the paperwork aside um try to keep it out of my head out of sight out of mind works for me because there's plenty of things that keep me busy and occupied in this world so i just keep it out of sight out of mind yeah except that usually doesn't really work no it doesn't um you know but there's usually there's never um a deficit of these injustices that are that just don't get remedied and so as, as outraged as I get, I just kind of pray that the universe doesn't make me even more outraged. You know, like I just pray that I, and you know what I also do? I'm going to be real honest with you. I mean, there's some things that just like throw themselves in my face and I can't avoid it at all. I mean, I'm not even looking for it or asking for it, but for some reason, God puts it, the universe right in my lap and, and, and I do my best with that. But I really, every day, and I always try to find something great. Like people make fun of me sometimes at work because they're like, oh, you just say things that people want to hear. But it's not true. I find one thing, at least one thing about you that I notice that I can truly say without bullshit, I appreciate. That I truly appreciate. And I, or like. And that's what I say to everybody I see because it's just, to me, I need to find those beautiful things. I need to keep looking for them because if I don't, those injustices are blaring. They're just blaring and they, they're demanding my attention. So I try to just try to, you know, open up my scope and train my eye to see something else. Well, that is a, that is a good technique, right? To decide, you're just deciding, let's look at the positive stuff because there's always, there's always negative stuff to look at. There's always bad to look at. And sometimes you just have to decide to look at the, the good stuff and if you because it's easy to spend all your time there's plenty of the bad stuff to, to look at if we want you know it's all it's everywhere right but uh, yeah you know, it seems to make sense to to decide to look at the good and uh, and to be positive with other people that seems to make sense um 30 below or 115 above Um, 115 above. Okay. Um, if, uh, you think back on some of the stories and events in your life that had the biggest impact, whether it's positive or negative, um, what would that be? And I'm thinking maybe in your childhood, what was, what was something that you recall that had, uh, a major impact you can tell us about? Oh, major impact. Hmm. I honestly, um, I'll tell you what, I remember my second grade math teacher, and he was trying to teach us, he was a pretty neat guy, but he was trying to teach us how to do computations in our head. Like, he would just throw, like, you know how you have, like, a number, like a spelling bee? But they would do it for math, like these drills. So you're just doing the four operations in your head. I was in second grade. And I, turns out that I'm a very visual learner. And so having someone say things and having me picture it in my mind wasn't a really great combination for me for learning. And I remember he screamed in my ear, but he didn't do it in a negative way, but he did it in the way that he was, it was loud. I remember how much, how uncomfortable it physically felt. And I remember how bad it made me feel because everybody laughed at me. And it felt me to have all that attention mm. on me. And so it really bothered me. It hurt me. And I have such bad anxiety. It's really kind of odd. So it's really kind of weird that I work in a math industry, <laughs> like the education industry uh, around mathematics. But that's where my passion is because 
you know, that needs to be accessible and equitable for everybody. So, you know, like if I'm tactile, you don't need to be screaming in my ear because nothing you're going to scream in my ear is going to help me see the problem any better. I need to see it physically in front of my face, you know? So, so like, yeah, that was something that I thought was really interesting because when I go into schools nowadays, and that was a billion years ago, second grade, right? But um, it's nothing much has changed in education, you know, sadly enough. And that is determined based on what your zip code is, you know, just like it was right. back then. All so right, it's so really sad, <laughs> you know. Let's go back to you, though. When that happened to you in second grade, what would be the primary emotion that you would describe that you felt when he screamed in your ear? I was embarrassed and right. humiliated. And how did that affect the rest of your uh, growing up, would you say? Well, I have a social anxiety, and I don't like to volunteer um, or speak. Uh, I have a math anxiety, so when people give me problems, I, I mean, I do this for a living. <laughs> and I still, I still, like, get shocked and scared, and my face turns red, and I'm holding my breath, and I'm like, I wish I could die, I wish I could disappear, you know, because I just feel like I'm on the spot and people are watching me. And that's how I feel, even to this day. And so I just learned to take a deep breath, you know, and um, talk through the problem, work through the problem, think through it, model it, just talk about it. And usually I work better in teams. I'm always in teacher teams anyway. So I just kind of, you know, learned how to create questions that would generate conversation from them so that can guide me into the problem so I have more entry points because I needed entry points. And that's what I try to do in my work. So it actually okay. drove, not only did it affect me in my behavioral, but it kind of, I think, just dictated where I am in life, like what I do for a living. Well, so what's interesting to me, Stacy, is that uh, you have, even though you have this fear and this has stuck with you to some extent, you've also put yourself out there both in math. You decided to do this podcast, which is probably not really comfortable for you. And it sounds like you keep you keep sticking your neck out there, um, despite the fact that you have this um, you know, it's this residue, and it all it is really is a memory, right? It's a it's, yeah. it's a memory that you know it's a story that you were given that you had no choice at the time when you were in second grade that. Um, has a major effect on your life, but in fact, it doesn't really, does it? It really hasn't stopped you from, I mean, the fact that you have, that sometimes you get nervous or you have some anxiety. Okay, it's not stopped you from living your life, has it? No, I just, it, you can definitely tell where it had an influence on it, though. Like, there's still a lot of things I don't do that I probably should do, like, you know? But I I just wonder how it would be if it wasn't, you know? Like, I just wonder how it would be if, you know, I had different opportunities in, you know, instruction or just had different experiences, how things would have been different. Because I still hold back a lot. I know it seems like I had strong jump into completely the opposite of where I should be but it's um it's I don't know I, I do it with such anxiety like my stomach always hurts I go to work freaking out you know like there's always like it doesn't come naturally it doesn't come fluidly you know it's, it's, it's a constant struggle and I just kind of wonder when I look at other people and they look so confident and they look so capable and I'm just like wondering you know why can't I look like that <laughs> you know like why can't that work for me but I'm okay. Like, I'm laid back. I have my own style. People are cool with my style when they get to know me and work with me, and they appreciate it. So, I mean, I've owned it, you know, but it's not – I always wonder, you know, because it did have an impact. It had – it's almost like a bookmark. I wouldn't say it, like, was a detour, but it was definitely a bookmark. But, you know, what's interesting, you can wonder about how it would have been different, or you can decide to – uh, make some progress, and again, uh, obviously, anxiety is not—it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant in the body, right? But right. but uh, you know, I would say that you've probably made lots of strides in many areas, and maybe there, maybe in terms of the 
the, the last major life change that you've made moving to New York, maybe that's the jumping off point for maybe actually looking at uh, some ways to reduce some of that anxiety a little bit. You know, there's, that's all I'm saying is that there's, there's no way to give you a different childhood, right? There's no way to, to get the second grade right. teacher out of your ear. And, but there's right. a, there is a way to say, I'm grateful for that. Uh, just like you said, you're grateful for all the no's. I'm grateful for that. And let me see what I can do with that, with that, that, that old story, that trauma. And it was definitely a trauma that how I, how can I make that? Cause that, uh, that, and I'm sure we've got some other great stories. We're kind of running out of time, but that story, uh, that event is integral to who you are right now. And it's really, uh, it's very endearing and enduring when you, and I'm sure that on this podcast, you, many people will hear your story and will be, um, very taken taken back in terms of how brave you've been and all these decisions you've made and you have i just gotta tell you just have a great outgoing personality very funny very witty very honest very authentic and uh the 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 idea that you've got the, these things from the past that you're dealing with is like you know showing the rest of the world we're all, we're all we're all dealing with <laughs> with things of some sort, some trauma that's uh, yeah. that we could say we'd rather not have happen. But uh, uh, it's been uh, it's I don't see it as as gee, we really wish we could change it because you wouldn't be the same person, and you can't ever figure out what it would be like without with if you didn't have that. So why bother? That's true. That's true. Do you have one more story that had a big impact? <laughs> no, I, I think that's all I have. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a ton, but I think that's all I have for tonight. Tell me, how, how would you summarize, because you, you, you said earlier that uh, the things were never easy for you and you had to do things the, the hard way. How would you summarize your, your whole upbringing? in terms of uh, what you learned and, and what happened uh, in your upbringing until you became an adult? I think um, to summarize it, I learned how to be human. And I know that's pretty vague, but that's truly, I think my upbringing was just learning how to be human. Like, cause I've, I've had so many human experiences and whether I wanted them or not, but I mean, so give, me an, real, you know, so give me an uh, example of how you learned to be human and with one particular experience. I think, okay, so I don't want to get into a lot of personal things, but I can definitely sure. see, um, yeah, I can definitely, you know, speak to even just raising human beings as a single mom, just like you have, you know, I have two amazing children, but they're like, it was just me and them. And that's real human. Like you have to figure out how to make things perfect and good and the day to days and their, their lives. I mean, it's not just maintenance. These were lives. These were, you know, it was just nuts. It's so nuts. The whole experience of it, just the, the feeling of having a child physically and the emotional ties and then caring for them and their upbringing and making sure everything's holistic for them, that they're having every exposure that they're supposed to have to have a normal holistic childhood. So I think that was a really human experience. It was very extreme and I, and I took it, my role very seriously. And so it was, um, it was very physical. It was very human. You know, it was very aware. It was very present. Yeah. Well, it's kind of an important role, isn't it? Yeah, it was for me, you know, <laughs> the best job I ever had, you know, the hardest I ever had. But, um, you know, I've got a son working on his PhD and my daughter's doing pre-med biomedical engineering. You know, and I, I did that. I worked hard. I put all my time and effort into these two humans. 
and it takes a lot, you know, it was, it was fun. It was interesting. It was very human. It was like, it's hard. I don't know if I could ever do that again. <laughs> like, like if I look at like, you know, like, Oh, if I could have kids all over again, what I would do differently. I don't think I could ever go through that again. That was a point in my life that I don't know by the grace of God, I was able to do it. It was hard. Well, you'll maybe have that opportunity in the next lifetime. Right. When you come back again. Yeah. That's right. You never know. I'm excited about that, too, because who knows? I just pray to God it's going to be a good experience. But I ended up okay <laughs> on this one, so everything's good. You know, like everything works out. So in in wrapping up, we're, we're out of time, and I, I just want to tell you again that uh, I appreciate you being on the podcast and telling your story. I know it wasn't really easy for you, but I think it was very valuable, and it was very enjoyable to hear. Uh, parts of your story, not all of it. And I'm thinking that uh, maybe uh, you'll want to come back in maybe about six months and let us know how things are going in New York and what progress you're making. We'd probably be interested in hearing that in, uh, in a bit of time. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, that sounds really cool. Exciting. I appreciate that. And in closing, do you have any words for our audience? If you could go back to your younger self and give some more advice about life. Is there anything that you would tell uh, younger people out there in terms of how to, how to conduct their lives? Yeah, just um, do, don't worry about it. Everything's going to really be okay. It honestly will. You'll never, ever fall off the planet. And like, that's what I've, I mean, I've been homeless. I've had so many neat experiences and not once, not once have I just, dropped off the face of the earth like I'm still here you, you know so just hang in there everything really does work itself out like it's supposed to and everything that's happening is happening as it should whether it is good or bad and I've seen seen a lot but everything is as it should be beautiful words thank you very much for being with us Stacy thank you so much for having me okay thanks for listening to this is personal rewinding a life if you like today's show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends. All of that would be greatly appreciated. You can find me at dansimon.co on Instagram, dansimontv, or Twitter, at dansimontv. Thanks for listening to the show today. New show will be out on Monday. Have a great week.